Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Geib. From your burden of sin There's power in the blood Power in the blood Would you or evil a victory win There's wonderful power in his blood There is power, power Wonder-working power In the blood of the Lamb Oh, there is power, power Wonder-working power In the precious blood of the Lamb There is power, power, wonder-working power In the blood of the Lamb There is power, power, wonder-working power In the precious blood of the Lamb We've got the power In the name of Jesus We've got the power In the name of the Lord We've got the power In the name of the Lord We've got the power In the name of the Lord You've got the power In the name of the Lord Hallelujah, Father, we just worship you today We praise you today As we begin Passion Week, we thank you for those that will listen to the podcast today, tomorrow, in the future. I pray that you would take these words and that you would just penetrate the hearts of the listeners today, that you would just move upon those that are here to listen, Lord, today, tomorrow, in the future, that it would do a new work in them, that it would set a new spark in them, a new flame in them, a new hope in them. Lord, because you have given us these things. You have given us an inheritance. You have given us a hope, and you've given us a power, all based on the fact that you arose from the grave, Jesus, over 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. We celebrate that. We praise you for it. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good day, good day, Kingdom Corner podcast followers. The great Matt Geib here today, and I am excited for what we have to share today in the Word, the breaking of the bread of the Word, as it were, as we begin Passion Week. And as I was looking at this, I was thinking, this message and even the next one, I think we're going to be here three weeks in these eight verses of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. We did the first part last week, you know, and now we're segueing into the second part, And then the third part will be the crescendo of these eight verses of this prayer, which will be the exaltation of Christ. And how timely, since next weekend we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord throughout the world. And this week we have a powerful, powerful lesson 
let's get right into it and see, just see if we can cover all the things that I have to share with you today. This, These scriptures, these passages, these eight verses are just so rich, and there's just so much here for us if we'll just open our hearts and our minds. So set everything aside, listen with your whole heart, listen with your spiritual ears and spiritual understanding, and let's begin. We're going to read from verse 15 again. I'm just going to read all the verses again. Verse 15, Ephesians 1.15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding or heart being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and that is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us or in us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And by the way, did I tell you, this is my most favorite portion of scripture in the whole Bible. I'd say the whole New Testament, but I'm leaning toward this, saying this today, the whole Bible. I've loved it since God called me to teach and preach when I was 16 or 17. He gave me this very scripture and challenged me and enlightened me and lit my heart on fire for the things of God, for the kingdom of God. And a subtitle for today would be Hope, Riches, and Power, an intercessory prayer that changes people and circumstances based on hope, riches, and power. Hope, riches, and power. And I'm going to read a lot from my notes today because I've spent a lot of time on this, praying through it and studying it. So here we go. And I'll make comments, but I've got a lot of things that I have typed out, I think, just the way I want to say it. This is an intercessory prayer to awaken and enlighten our hearts that the truths that Paul is, has been sharing since the opening of this letter would be gripping, moving, compelling, transforming, not just intellectual. We talked a lot about that last week. Perhaps some of you listening today have lost your passion. You've lost that first love for Jesus. You know him intellectually. You've even asked him into your heart, but you've lost that spark, that fire. Then this very prayer that we're going through right now is tailor-made just for you, and this is just the time and season for you to hear what we're going to dissect and divulge today. Ephesians 1, 15-21, therefore, for that is, for this reason, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, this is Paul, do not cease to give thanks for you and make mention of you in my prayers, asking that the God of our Father, or the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, I should say, the Father of glory, 
and this is what we went over last week, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in that positional place, in the knowledge of him. That's where you're set. You're in him. The eyes of your understanding or heart being enlightened. And we talked quite a bit about that last week. Now we get into the next part. So this is the specifics of what Paul is praying and why they needed to be enlightened. Paul's prayer is that the Ephesus church, that is even us, it applies to us today, would come to know and experience three specific truths. One, that you might know or may know what is the hope of his calling. Two, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, in you, right? He's got something invested in you. Number three, and what is the exceeding greatness? And this is such a powerful verse. What is the exceeding, the superabounding greatness of his power toward or in us? It's in us. He's placed it there. If you're a son or a daughter of God, it's in you today. You might be dormant, but it's there. In us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. My, there's some powerful things there in verse 19 we're going to get into which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Let's stop there. Let's go back to these three specific things and really dissect them, really break them down for you today. A spirit of wisdom and revelation, right? In the knowledge of him. Some other words, ways of saying these three things would be with a view to knowing what is the hope of his calling. See, he wants you to view that. He wants you to see what he's calling to you too, what that calling is. We're going to get into that. What is the wealth of the glory of his inheritance that he has in you, the saints? And also, what is the superabounding, throwing over or the greatness of his inherent power toward us, both toward us and in us, okay? Okay, let's talk about hope. This is a very, it it always goes with faith and love, does it not? Hope. In Ephesus, the hope Paul speaks of is not how great or awesome or even the specific kind that he may be calling you to today. You know, he calls us to various things. That is the calling of God, but rather what our hope really is, what it all is, the whole kitten caboodle, as it were, the whole encompassing hope that he has set us apart to or called us out for. This calling, his calling, it's a call of God of which God is the author, and it is an effectual call. It's effective. If you're listening, it's having its effect in you, right? The hope is not the object hoped for as much as it is an attitude of your heart and your mind. See, Christians have that attitude of hope, that attitude that he's working inside of them effectually. The subjective hope, the assured Christian expectation, the subjective hope, the assured Christian expectation. That's what Expositor says, Greek commentary. All right? So there's hope. We have great hope for eternal life and the things of God. Proverbs 13, 12, hope or expectation deferred, that is drawn away, something that's been scattered or lost or prolonged or drawn out, postponed, makes one's heart sick, weak, diseased, tired, grieved. Is that Are you that way today? Are you tired out? Are you weak? Are you weary? 
Have you lost your hope? Have you lost that expectation? Does it seem like a can that's always kicked further and further down the road? Well, you've come to the right place today to the Kingdom Corner podcast because we're going to light that hope up again. We're going to light a fire under that again. We're going to gather it together again. We're going to bring it back to you again. Okay? Romans 8, 18 to 25, I believe, defines very well what hope is, what that hope is. That hope that Paul was speaking about here, he also spoke about in Romans. This is that hope that Paul wanted to awaken and make come alive in their hearts. Romans 8, 18 to 25. For I consider from the standpoint of faith that the sufferings of the present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed in us. For even the whole creature or creation, that is all of nature, waits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration and futility, not willingly, because of some intellectual fault on its part, but by the will of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be freed from its bondage of decay and gain entrance into the glorious freedom of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been moaning together as in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only this, but we too, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, that's us, brother and sister, a joyful indication of the blessings to come, we groan inwardly. We long for it inwardly. We groan inwardly. We pray in the Spirit and agonize over that as we wait eagerly for the sign of our adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption and transformation of our bodies. When? Well, it will fully be done at the resurrection, he says. For this is the hope we were saved by faith for. But hope, that is the object of, which is seen, is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait eagerly for it with patience and composure. Wow, what a scripture. What a scripture. Let's look at a few things here. The hope which Paul speaks of, the hope which Paul speaks of here is a glory which is coming to the church, toward us. We are moving toward it today as the church, day by day. 2 Corinthians 3.18, for we all with open face, it says there, Paul says there, as we're in the presence of the Lord, we're changed, we're metamorphosized from glory to glory, a glory that will touch the whole world. Habakkuk 2.14 said it this way, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We have great hope then that God's glory is coming, that we're even moving toward it now. That's what he's promised us. That's what's happening. If you're a son or daughter of God, that's deep inside of you. Your spirit is groaning and longing for the day that you will be united perfectly with him. Bondage of decay, verse 21. That means the second law of thermodynamics, the law of entropy states that everything in the universe is running down, declining, deteriorating. Not just earth, Paul states in this condition, but our bodies as men and women as well. The aha here is that this is not a hope or glory that will happen in just a flash, just at the resurrection. I mean, that's part of the hope that we're hoping for, right? The all-encompassing hope, we could say, at the end of the age. But it's taking place today. It's taking place right now. Let me remind you of that. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17, Paul said it this way. 
Therefore, we do not become discouraged, that is, spiritless, disappointed, or afraid. Though your outward self, our outward self, is progressively wasting away. See, as we get older and older, you know, I'm getting older. I've got sagging eyes and some sagging skin, a little more weight on than I should have. We're wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day. The spirit man, your spirit man that's connected with God is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light distress, that is the passing trouble of this life, is producing for us, wow, if we allow it, an eternal weight of glory, a fullness beyond all measure, surpassing all comparisons, a transcendent splendor and an endless blessedness. Now, let me tell you, you know, Paul knew something about momentary light distress. That's what he called his life, was just a momentary light distress. Here's here's his light distresses. Paul was beaten with rods three times. He was received 39 lashes five times. He was shipwrecked three times and was adrift at sea a day and a night. And one time he was stoned and left for dead. Wow. Paul calls all that momentary and light affliction compared with God's glory working in him. And the same glory that's working in us in us eternally and for an eternal weight of glory beyond all compare. Wow, what an example to look to. And Paul, all these things he went through, and yet he said it's a momentary light distress compared to the glory that he knew was working in him and that he would eventually completely come into when he was united with the Christ, when he was united in eternity. What a revelation he had. We need that same revelation. Let me encourage you today. My friend, these things you're going through, don't let them sweep your hope away. Don't let them cause you to be scattered about or drawn away, as the one scripture said. But let that be something that you you just realize God's working it in you for a greater weight of glory. This is the prayer then, that the church will capture and assimilate that God is progressively working to produce a hope and a glory in them through the everyday circumstances and trials of their lives. Is that you, my friend? Are you progressively working to see produced in you a hope, a glory in your everyday trials that will work in you a far greater way to glory? Can you see that? Can you look at that? Can you hope in that? That's hope. God can and will turn all things to our advantage if we just trust him. Wow, so that's hope. So let's go to the next one. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Do you know he has an inheritance in you today, my friend? You are his inheritance. When you gave your life to him, when you committed your life to him, when you asked Jesus into your heart, when you accepted his sacrifice for your sins, you became his treasure. You became his inheritance The beautiful point, not that God is our inheritance, though that's true. The scripture talks about that as well. But rather, in view here in this scripture, rather, we are owned by him. We are his inheritance. Exodus 19.5 talks about the children of Israel are meant to be a peculiar treasure. I would call that an inheritance unto him, right? 1 Peter 2.9, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood his own peculiar people, or the way the Greek says it there, a people formed for his own possession. 
Do you know he formed you for his possession, for his treasure, that you're a valued private property is another way of putting it. You are his valued private property. We are not our own. We have been bought with a price, 1 Corinthians 6.20 and 7.23. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, that is, dedicating all of yourselves, setting apart yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Do you know when you're receiving that in your spirit and in your heart that you are his inheritance, that you belong to him, that you were bought with a price, and yet you're being set apart? That set apart means you're allowing him to set you apart for his use, that that is an act of worship. And the next point of this is, I see this here in this section of scripture, is God desires to use you. He desires to use us because we are his treasure. It's like this, the riches of his glory or his inheritance in us is to be used by him. He wants to use it. He has invested in us and we will see a great, or he will see a great ROI. Do you know what that means in business? A great return on investment. And I'm reminded here of the parable of the talents. He's given you talents today. What are you doing with those talents? Are you burying them? Or are you, are you using them and actually growing them, okay? No risk, no reward. We must risk something. Remember what Jonathan said to his armor bearer? You know, he said, there are all these hundreds of Philistines up there a little ways at, above us. Let's go up there and see what God will do. Is that the way you view that what God has invested in you? Lord, here's my treasure. Here's my gifts. I want to see what you will do. It will always be well worth it to risk what God, the treasure that God has within us when we're trusting God, that he's going to use that treasure, that he's going to use that gift. Give him your life today, day by day, not just when you're in trouble, but dedicate yourself in every situation. Say, Lord, do you want to use me in this situation? Here I am. I'm available. You know, I'm that living sacrifice. I lay my life down for this very moment. I see the need right in front of me. Help me, Lord, not to pass on this opportunity. Give me the grace to be available, Lord, right now. And the gifts, let me use the gifts you've given me. Is there, I've written down here, equipment in my spirit that you want to use? Well, here it is, Lord. I'm available for you to use. This is kind of my prayer that I, I made out of this. To meet these needs that I see, and then I will move out, or you can move out and venture out, plunge in, risk a bit. As you do, you will discover that this brings enrichment of your life, that your life gradually becomes delightful in this adventure with Abba, oh, and that you're going to grow in understanding and riches, your inheritance, his inheritance in you is going to grow. Amen? Many of you today that are here might just be waiting for God to tell you something to do. But the New Testament, really, when you read through it, it never instructs us to do that. Yes, we have to hear from God and, and seek him on certain things. But really, the message is God is with you. Therefore, reach out, risk something, venture out, move out, plunge in, try something new you've never done before. I don't think, as Christians, too many of us worry about being presumptuous, but I don't think you have to worry about that. 
Try something new that you've never done before and trust God to see you through. Oh, the result will be marvelous. If you will just let God have his inheritance in your life, if you will present your body to him and say, Lord, I am that inheritance. Here I am available to you. Then unlimited favor, glory, adventure, and goodness await you. I would venture to say, and I know myself from experience, there is no greater joy and fulfillment of walking day by day with the Abba, with Abba, and you and him co-working and co-laboring together in your community, wherever you might go. Amen. Now let's look at the next one. This is so good. This is so good. The next, the third thing, the first thing was hope. The next thing was you are his inheritance. That's what he wants you to know. This is what Paul's prayer is. The third thing that he's, and this is kind of the foundation of it all. It all comes down to this. This is the apex of everything. We want to just, oh, this is so rich. This is the apex. This is a foundation for having hope. The foundation for knowing your value, that you are an inheritance. And that is, he's praying, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward or in us, they're both in view there, toward us and in us who believe. See, his power is coming toward us, but it's also inside of us. According to the working of his mighty power, verse 20, which he wrought or worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. See, it's all based on that resurrection power. The most You can talk about the atom bomb. You can talk about the nuclear bombs. You can talk about the most powerful bomb in this world that could blow this world up 10 times over, and it's not as powerful as resurrection power. That's the basis of what we're talking about, the kind of power that he wants to reveal to you today as you listen. The power is described as according to the working of his mighty power. This power is described as according to the working of his mighty power. Verse 20 said, which he wrought or worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Wrought or worked, verse 20, and working, verse 19, are the Greek word energia, energia. And of course, that is where we get our word energy from. This speaks of the energy put forth by God in the operation and surpassing power in the salvation process that he performed in Christ to redeem us and meet our needs. You know, that's the same power to meet our needs. This then is in accordance and corresponds to the divine energy of his mighty power. Verse 19, the Greek rendering would be of the manifested power of his strength. Notice when we think of power, sometimes some of you may be in this position today. Maybe you feel this way. You lack ability. You're incapacitated. You're incompetent. You've been had inaptitude. You're incapable. You feel like you're strapped with a disability. You're impotent. You're helpless, hopeless, and you feel impaired. Well, God wants to know that he's revealing his power to you today. He's opening it up to us. That's the opposite of power, those things that I just said. Maybe some of you feel that way. But God wants to, you to feel powerful. Let's look at this. Let's, this is so beautiful how Paul puts this. Paul uses four words to convey different aspects or facets of power that has been made available to us or for us by Abba. Verse 19 power. He's talking about power. Let's look at that again, which is the surpassing 
greatness of his inerrant power. So the power, the word for power there is dunamis, natural ability that is general and inherent. It's, it gives you all kind of ability for the situation, whatever is needed, and it's inherent. means it's in you. B, working, is energia. Verse 19, you find that in. Energia, where we get our word, I just mentioned it, power from. Where we get our word energy from means power in exercise. In other words, when you work out, you're exercising power. It's power that's exerted. It's operative energy and power. So we have deutimus, that's the first word. Then we have the next phrase of the verse, working toward us, who it to the working toward the power in exercise or operating power of his mighty, that's another word, kratos, manifested strength. That's what that word means. Mighty means manifested strength. And then he words, uses the word power again, but it's another Greek word, which means, I love this word, strength or power as an endowment, a trait or talent that one has, or a provision that one is given. Power as an endowment, a force, a trait or talent or provision, like a handout. Like we, you know, like if somebody comes along and you're going to do some great thing that you have, some great vision, some great business you're starting that's going to help people, you know, whatever it is. Like, let's say you're going to go out on the Puget Sound and you're going to start a fishing business. You're going to go crabbing and you have this great new way of doing it, but you don't have the money then this shows that it's been provided for. You get a handout. It's Somebody's come along to foot that bill for you. And that one, of course, is Abba. We know that in this situation. Wow, so we could translate this. And what is the superabounding or overthrown greatness of his inherent, that power inside of us, coming toward us and is in us who are believing? It's like we're being fire-hosed with this power. That's the picture I see. And it's inside of us as well, who are believing ones. You're a believing one today if you're here, I hope, a saint of God, a child of God, a man or woman of God, believing ones as measured by the exerted operative energy of the manifested strength of his might, that is his character and provision, the force of who that person is. What is the superabounding greatness of his inherent power? towards us and in us who are believing ones as measured by the exerted operative energy of the manifested strength of his might, which is character and provision and the force, and a, like a force. You know, some people come in the room and they just have a certain power about them. They have a certain force about their personality. That's what we're talking about. Verse 20, which he wrought, and we went over this a little bit before, or worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That is which he, energia, that is he exercised or exerted this kind of energy, operative energy, when he raised Christ from the dead. Translation, which was exerted, operative, or operated in the Christ when he raised him from among the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Let's put it all together, verse 19 and 20, about power. And what is the exceeding or superabundant greatness of his inerrant power to us, towards us, coming towards us, and in us, who are the believing ones as measured by the exerted operative energy of the manifested strength of his might, which is both character, provision, 
and force, which might was operative or operating in energy in the Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Let's look at some more scriptures before we close here for power. All right. For the kingdom of God is not based on talk, but on dudamas. That was the first word we talked about. I think for power in the New Testament, the main word for power is dudamas, you know, which is again a natural ability or a, an ability that's inherent in one. We have that, okay? For the kingdom of God is not based on talk, but on power. It's God's power, it's God's inherent power or inherent ability that He's placed inside of us. Acts 1 8. But you will receive dudamas, or power and ability, you know, uh, talent, ability. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and all the earth. Second Peter 1.3, for his divine dudamus, wow, has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. 2 Peter 1.3. Let's look at this one. 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing and spiritually dead. But to us, that is because they reject it, but to us who are being saved by God's grace, it is the manifestation of the dudamus of God. 2 Corinthians 4.7. But we have this precious treasure. Remember we talked about the inheritance? The good news about salvation in unworthy, earthy, frail vessels, so that the grandeur and the surpassing dudamus will be shown to be from God and not ourselves. Now let's look at power as shown in the word energia, which is exercise, exerted, operative power, power that's operating. Ephesians 3, 7, of which I became a minister, this is Paul talking to the Ephesians, according to the gifts of grace given to me by the effectual working of his energia, of his energy, of his operating power. Ephesians 4, 16 talks about the body of Christ being fitly joined together according to effectual working from every part of every member. In other words, we're all contributing. We're all operating in exerted energy from the Spirit of God. We're not just sitting there doing nothing, and we're joined together. We're becoming one through that. 1 Corinthians 12.10 talks about one who's given the energia of miracles. There's an energy to it. And then Paul said, I love this verse, Colossians 1.29, to this end I also labor, agonizomai. I'm striving with everything within me, even in pain, according to his energia, which energias in me with dudamus. Isn't that beautiful? So today we've talked about what is so powerful, this prayer that he wants to awaken you with, that he wants to encourage you with, is he's provided for you hope. We talked about the great hope, you know, of the manifested sons and daughters of God. And yet that great hope is even working in us every single day, even though our body might be growing older, okay? We talked about hope. We talked about the great treasure, the great return on investment. We are his treasure, not just to sit there for him to admire, though he likes to do that, but that he might use us for his glory if we'll just step out by faith. And then we talked about these four words, four wonderful words that give 
such meaning and power and such different facets of the nature of God. Think of all the power that he has for you today that's available. It's coming toward you. And I said, like a fire hose, and it's in you. Natural ability that is general and inherent. That's dunamis. Power and exercise. Exerted. All you got to do is turn it on. That's energia. Kratos power. That which is manifested strength. You have that. And then the other word for power is Ichuas, I didn't say that word. It's a Greek word. It's a power of endowment, a power that's a trait or talent that you have, but also a provision that he's giving you and a force of character, a force of a personality. You have that force within you. You know, remember remember from uh, Star Wars, may the force be with you, but we say it with God. May the God force be with you. May the Holy Spirit force be with you. And the whole foundation is, of course, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Amen? The resurrection power of Jesus Christ. What a timely message for this resurrection season, right? That we've been given the power because we've accepted Jesus, because he's come into our lives, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that we have to live our lives, to co-labor with him. Come back next week, and let's look at the real whole foundation of the whole thing, that made it all possible, which are the last two or three verses, which is the exaltation of Christ, okay? We went through 21, so I think it's just 22 and 23 about the exaltation of Christ. Thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner podcast. Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on the Kingdom Corner, hosted by Matt Guide. Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance, a devotional journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, significanceacademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner.